The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast, hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travelled podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. G'day everyone, welcome to this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled podcast. My name is Nikki Shea and for the next half an hour or so, we'll be looking at some of the great things that you can do post-lockdown or if you're still in the midst of lockdown wherever you are, it will get better, rest assured. And uh, this week we'll be taking you on a little journey uh, just west of Melbourne. It's about 198 kilometres west of Melbourne and you make your way to the foothills of the Grampians where you can discover a vibrant town of Ararat which is surrounded by inspiring natural attractions, rolling plains and plenty of wineries if you like wineries. From the Grampians and the Pyrenees wine regions and vast Grampians National Park to Mount, now I think it's Mount Langigiran and Mount Cole, Ararat's surrounding region is a wonderland for nature lovers, foodies and adventurers alike. Now you can certainly get back to nature when heading out to that particular part of the world, pack a picnic lunch and hit the walking trails at one of the many nearby parks and reserves. That's where you can see plenty of wildlife in its natural habitat. You can also visit indigenous rock art sites and savour views across the plains from the top of the cliffs, rocky outcrops. And you can keep the adventure going by camping out for a night or two and watch the stars light up the clear night sky. Now, if you're into wine, there is a taste of things to come, the gateway to the Grampians and Pyrenees wine regions. Ararat is the perfect base from which to take a winery road trip. You can cruise from Celador to Celador, and while you're on the road, be sure to check out the many cafes, the providors and restaurants serving up fresh local produce and gourmet treats. Now, you can travel back in time, which you know I love to do, to Australia's golden era, and you can learn about the experiences of Chinese miners at the Gamsang Chinese Heritage Centre in Ararat. Ararat's rich gold history was unique in that it was the only town in Australia which was founded and developed by Chinese migrants. Here you can peruse the displays from the goldfields, the squatters, farming estates, as well as extensive collection of Aboriginal artefacts at the Langmorga Museum. You can get a guide from the Ararat and Grampians Visitor Information Centre and take a self-guided tour around the town's iconic landmarks. There's a very creative buzz around Ararat as well. You can time your visit to coincide with the annual Jailhouse Rock Festival. The Rock and Roll Festival attracts acts from right around Australia and visitors flock each year to celebrate all things 50s and 60s from vintage cars to rockabilly, music and fashion. And the renowned and recently refurbished Ararat Gallery Textile Art Museum uh, houses a pretty celebrated range of contemporary textiles and fibre art collections as well as they host uh, plenty of touring exhibitions. One thing that I saw, and you might have seen my little introduction that I did on our Facebook page, and speaking of Facebook page, The Road Less Travelled has a new Facebook page. You could just search The Road Less Travelled podcast and it will come up on Facebook. And we're also now on Instagram. You can check out The Road Less Travelled podcast 2021, and that's where you can hook up with us on Instagram. So check us out, Facebook and Instagram. Of course, you can still follow us through Fat Cat Media on both of those platforms as well. 
Rewinding back to what I was talking about, you can delve into Ararat, delve into a haunting past of Jay Ward, which is a bluestone jail which once housed Victoria's criminally insane, and you can even extend your stay with a spooky tour of Aradale, which was the country's largest abandoned psychiatric asylum, and I believe it is probably the most one of the most haunted um, bugles, one of the most haunted. Uh, places in Australia. It's featured on many ghost hunting tours and that's what we're going to talk about this week on The Road Less Travel. We're in Ararat. We're going to have a chat about the famous psychiatric asylum of Jay Ward and Aradale. So speaking of Ararat, how the heck do you get there? Well we left obviously because we're based in Melbourne so we went out through um, Caroline Springs melted out through the uh, western suburbs, uh, out through um, Gordon, then bypassed Ballarat uh, through Beaufort. Um, I think it's called Buangor, uh, out to Ararat that way. And Ararat's a good little place where you can base yourself, as I said earlier in the introduction, at the foothills of getting into the Grampians, and then you can hit, hit out through Stall or out through Halls Gap out to the to the Grampians National Park. So it's a uh, from Melbourne, it's about 198 kilometres west of Melbourne, and you head on the M8 after you bypass your way through the city. And when you get to Ararat, well, where do you stay? Well, for us, we were hosted by the Pyrenees Caravan Park in Ararat, just outside, uh, about five, kilom- five minutes, rather, outside of Ararat CBD, uh, in a really nice, tranquil bush setting. It's a family-owned and operated caravan park where they offer their guests the chance to relax in really comfortable and clean accommodation. And for us on the road less travel, we always stay uh, where we can in uh, caravan parks because we obviously have uh, Rocco, our dog, with us, and so it needs to be a pet-friendly accommodation. And we've been very, very fortunate so far on many of our trips to be able to, to fine accommodation this place has um, also powered caravan sites with drive-through and ensuite sites available they've got the facilities including free barbecue coin operated laundry facilities a kids playground and amenities blocks and uh, they welcome you with open arms at the Pyrenees Caravan Park for uh, an overnight stop weekend getaway or your entire uh, holiday unpowered caravan sites uh, at the time that we went through were 24 bucks powered caravan sites which is a very reasonable 27 dollars if you wanted an ensuite caravan site that was uh, $35 and you can also have pet friendly accommodation um, if you're traveling with your pet and you don't have a caravan or a camper or perhaps you just need uh, to unwind with the uh, the animals they are uh, more than willing and helpful to take you on board when you've got your animal with you they're on the uh, Pyrenees caravan park the Pyrenees highway at Ararat jump on board and uh, as I said they're pet friendly really nice accommodation very friendly people as well uh, so that's where we based ourselves and of course when you go to these places where they are uh, pet friendly please make sure that you uh, adhere to their rules respect their rules and um, it just makes it easier for, for other people as well so that was where we went I uh, can't recommend them enough and that was the Pyrenees Caravan Park at Ararat now, Jay Ward was originally the Ararat County Jail. Uh, it was an Australian prison for the latter part of a psychiatric facility to house the criminally insane, located, as we said earlier, in Ararat. Construction of this jail commenced in 1859 and the facility was opened in October 1861. In 1867, it was converted for use as a maximum security psychiatric ward for the criminally insane. Jay Ward officially closed in January 1991 and in 1992 it was reopened as a museum providing tours. 
The history of this building, well, construction of the original building commenced in 1859 as a goldfields prison based on the Pentonville concept by the Public Works Department. They were built out of bluestone. It's a lovely bluestone building. And on October the 10th, 1861, the jail was opened with a total of 21 prisoners incarcerated. The first governor was Samuel Walker, who was previously the governor of Portland Jail, also in Victoria. In 1864, the jail housed 40 prisoners in an, and in 1867, John Gray became the jail's second governor, a position he held for 10 years. In 1870, the first execution was conducted at the jail when Andrew Veer was hanged for the murder of Amos Scheel in January 1869. The second execution at the jail was held in September 1883 when Robert Francis Burns was hanged for the murder of Michael Quinlivan. And in 1877, Henry Pinninger was appointed as the jail's third governor. In 1884, the jail held its third execution with Henry Morgan being hanged for the murder of Margaret Nolan in 1883. The next year, George Fittimont became the jail's fourth governor. He died of a heart attack at the jail on the 14th of September 1886. In the aftermath of Victoria's gold rush, the jail was no longer required and in December 1886, the jail building was proclaimed as the J Ward, which was part of the Ararat Lunatic Asylum. J Ward today is now a museum open to the public with tours run every day except on public holidays. Now, other notes about this J Ward building include the amazing artwork done by prisoners on the walls outside in their open area. The way this place makes you still imagine it being operated and the thought of the detail is absolutely amazing. J Ward was not only occupied by the criminally insane but also the insane who hadn't actually committed any crimes but were eventually moved to a facility established to their specific needs. Notable patients was Charles Frossard who was admitted in 1903 at age 21. He died in custody in 1974 at the age of 92. He's believed to be the longest serving patient at the facility as well as the longest serving prisoner in the entire world. He was incarcerated for nearly 71 years. Gary Webb, also known as um, Gary David, is said to have served more time in prison than any other person in the history of the state of Victoria. He spent a total of 33 years in various institutions. Bill Wallace was admitted in 1926 at age 44, remaining in custody until his death in 1989 at the age of 107. He was both the oldest patient at the facility and the oldest prisoner in world history. He was incarcerated for 64 years. Mark Chopper-Reed was transferred from Pentridge Prison in late 1978 after arranging for a fellow inmate to cut off both his ears. Reed only remained in J Ward for a few months before being transferred back to Pentridge. Now, as I said in the intro, uh, reputed to be one of the most haunted buildings in Australia. And it's today the building pretty much remains open to the public, as uh, as I said earlier, as a volunteer-run museum and truly dark tribute to its past and those who were housed within it, even people were still buried in the grounds. Now, there are numerous areas of J Ward that are said to be haunted, with many visitors and staff members reporting to have had paranormal experiences all throughout the complex. It is creepy, don't get me wrong. One area where many people have claimed to have these types of experiences is the original cell block. The long, it's a long two-storey sort of hallway of the cell block. It's lined with many rooms, some of which held the notorious characters. And in this area, a number of people have claimed to sight apparitions or shadow figures, particularly in the upper walkways. Now, these EVPs that uh, you'll see the ghost hunters using nowadays have been captured with certain cells and at least one report of a woman being attacked by an apparition while sleeping in a cell actually exists. 
Another section of Jay Ward known as West Wing is also said to be particularly haunted. This part of the ward is also lined with cells and is a place where many have claimed to cite apparitions. Both a matron and an unidentified man have been cited making their way through the winding hallways. Now, some to visit the former prison have claimed to see a little girl who has been named Lily. Though she's been sighted in the yard and in numerous other buildings, she's thought to have possibly originated from the married warden's quarters. This was a place where a warden would have lived with his family, which oftentimes included young children. No other area of Jay Ward is said to be as haunted as its underground sections. You go downstairs and it is super creepy. It seems really strange that a former kitchen and a bathroom which exists in the old jail's depths would be haunted, but the stories circulating down there are super intense. The kitchen is actually said to be haunted by the former uh, chef who is known to dislike men touching her kitchen utensils. She's also joined by two young boys who frequent the kitchen, typically looking for their mother, it said. The stairs leading down to the bathroom are a place where a tragic death occurred. On the 14th of September 1886, George Fittimont, who was the last governor of the prison, fell down the stairs after having a heart attack and he died. Some say that his spirit still lingers to this day, though there is another or also occupies the bathroom. Supposedly many people have encountered a negative entity in the bathroom, some who have nicknamed him the Butcher. This name is derived from a tale stating that numerous murders were carried out in the bathroom, though I'm not sure if this is actually historically documented or it just makes for a good story. Many people claim to fear, feel fear, anxiety and general uneasiness when entering this small dark room. Others have also claimed to have sighted the butcher or even been attacked by an invisible force within the bathroom. This includes being pushed, scratched and even bitten. Jay Ward is open to the public, functioning, as I said earlier, as a volunteer-run museum. Tours are run throughout the prison and some special events or paranormal activity-focused tours occasionally run through the venue at night. If visiting, it's also worth checking out, which we're going to go to next, the Arradale Asylum. Now, Arradale Mental Hospital was an Australian psychiatric hospital located, as we know, in Ararat, uh, originally known as the Ararat Lunatic Asylum. Uh, Arradale has its two sister asylums in Kew in, in Melbourne and Beechworth. They were both commissioned to accommodate the growing number of lunatics in the colony of Victoria. Construction of this building uh, began in 1864 and the guardhouses are listed as being built in 1866, though the list of patients extends as far back as the year before 1865. It was closed as an asylum in 1998 and in 2001 it became a campus of the NMIT or the Melbourne Polytechnic administered at Melbourne Polytechnic's Ararat Training Centre. Now the asylum was designed in uh, well in the initial design for the similar buildings in Kew and Beechworth. Building commenced at Kew for the Kew Lunatic Asylum Ararat and Beechworth at roughly the same time however Ararat was completed first. The building of Ararat was contracted to O'Grady, Glynn and O'Callaghan and not patients or inmates as they were called as many erroneously believe. The asylum was built as a town within a town with its own market gardens, orchard, vineyards, piggery and other stock kept on the grounds. At its height it had over 500 staff and it stands today the complex is made up of 63 buildings ranging in age from the original wings built in 1860s to the more modern forensic unit which was built in 1991, only two years before the facility closed. 
Despite being closed as, the, as an asylum, the facility continued to house female prisoners during the building renovation of the Dame Phyllis Frost Centre right up until its current management took over in 2001. Now, the asylum complex is an example of the E-Plan barracks-type lunatic asylums based on the model of the 1850s in Colney Hatch in England. Ararat is a very similar design to its sister asylums in Kew and Beechworth. However, Ararat's use of linking bridges with an arcade on an arched gateway is entirely unique. Kew in Melbourne is considered to be an example of the Second Empire design, whereas Ararat and Beechworth are considered more of the Italianate through both styles have similar characteristics. The buildings are constructed from oversized bricks which were then rendered with cement and two-storied ward wings extend to each side, one for each sex. The ward wings were surrounded by courtyards lined with iron column verandas. Another distinctive feature of Ararat and other early Victorian asylums was the use of variation on what they call ha-ha walls, which was around the patient's courtyards. They consisted of a trench, one side of which was vertical and faced with stone or bricks. The other side sloped and was turfed. So, from the inside, the walls presented a tall face to patients, preventing them from escaping, while on the outside, the walls looked so low as not to suggest that people were actually being imprisoned. In 1913, the landscape gardener Hugh Lincolnar was employed to lay out the grounds of Mont Park. As a landscape gardener for the State Lunacies Department, sounds a horrible name, doesn't it, the State Lunacy Department, he commenced a program of landscape improvements and tree planting and asylums in Victoria. He was already familiar with the area, having previously laid out the grounds for Alexandra Park in Ararat, and only a few remnants of his plantings actually remain. Now, the old jail at Ararat, as we now know, was J Ward. That was catered for persons who were already detained in any jail, reformatory or industrial school or other place of confinement who appeared to be insane. This ward was not a separate institution in its own right and has continued to and continued to function as a division of the Ararat Mental Hospital. J Ward was always regarded as a temporary measure. A new institution was to be built at Sunbury for the retention of the criminally insane. However, when the building was nearing completion, it was decided that these would house females only and males would remain at J Ward. In May 1988, the Minister for Health Health, announced that J Ward was to be closed in that next year. And it was decommissioned in Ararat. Rather, in Ararat, the decommissioning of Aradale began in the early 1990s with patients transferred to community living and other facilities. After December 93, the Ararat Forensic Psychiatry Centre was the only remaining ward, and in 1997, the remaining patients were eventually transferred to Rosanna with the new Thomas Embling Hospital in Fairfield completed. In 2001, the Victorian government provided $7.4 million to Melbourne Polytechnic to establish a campus for the Melbourne Polytechnic's Ararat Training Centre on the site of the hospital. 30 hectares of vineyard and 10 hectares of olive grove were planted in 2002 and an olive processing facility and winery were later built on site. The first planting at the Ararat campus was of 28 hectares of vine which produced the first vintage in 2005. 
Since commencing the training and research at Aradale in 2002, Melbourne Polytechnic has established a 250-tonne winery, a four-hectare lavender farm and extensive training facilities. The campus was established to provide Victoria a world-class wine and hospitality training facility. So that's the nice side of Aradale. Let's go back and perhaps the not-so-nice side of Aradale. And like most of the old buildings of the era, they are certainly creepy. And Aradale Psychiatric Hospital is certainly infamous. It lures thousands of tourists each year with the promise of ghostly and ghastly tales and ghostly sightings. The building, it sits right on the edge of Ararat and paranormal tours are conducted nearly every weekend. And that psychiatric hospital that functioned from 1865 until 1998, it was known for its poor conditions and Victorian approach to mental health. At times, when you do to, do do the tours, it's quite confronting. Electroconvulsive therapy and transorbital lobotomies were common practice from which not even children were excluded. So it's no wonder that paranormal enthusiasts are drawn to the vast labyrinth of buildings. The place has been the subject of multiple investigations, including one televised incident where investigators claimed to have seen a face in one of the cells. Now, another uh, there's a husband and wife... Um, team we'll call them that are called drifter paranormal drifter paranormal uh, john and deb christopher they travel around the country investigating reportedly haunted spots they do it for the sheer pleasure of it and they say that they aim to debunk as many of the reports as they can they visited aradale in late um, 2017 2018 and called it one of the worst places they've been to they said uh, when we were in that place we didn't feel frightened we just wanted to get the hell out of there it's like when you go into a nightclub or somewhere and things are going to kick off you walk in there and you immediately feel the atmosphere in the place and you think i'm out of here this place is going to get nasty we just had the feeling the whole time we were there it was bad it was the baddest place we've ever investigated now both investigators said that they were not particularly sensitive and made no claim to be psychic or otherwise gifted Instead, they rely on their equipment to pick up evidence of otherworldly goings-on. But it's sensitive on that, Aradale had plenty to offer them. They said, we go purely with scientific, as close to paranormal gets to scientific instruments, so we rarely pick things up at the time. Quite often we'll have a night where we just don't have a damn thing, we don't see a damn thing all night, and we're just sitting there in the dark getting filthy and not getting any kind of sugar whatsoever. But the thing about Ararat is that we got plenty of personal experiences as we went along. Some of the equipment that was used was an audio recording device and a K2 EMF meter. Now, EMF stands for electromagnetic field, and Mr Christopher said that planning and investigation with the equipment was a rigorous process. The problem with these instruments is that they pick up phone signals. They pick up if there's anyone on a two-way radio or anything like that. So you've got to baseline the whole area to make sure you're not picking up on any natural phenomena so you know that when the thing does kick off, there's a likelihood of something less normal. Now, the pair had several experiences while locked away at Aradale. Why you'd want to be locked away in Aradale, I don't know. I don't even know why you'd want to do a ghost tour there because it's super creepy. But they had their equipment with them, but not all of them were scary. They said, we went into this little hexagonal area where they used to look after the Down syndrome kids back when Down syndrome kids were institutionalised. The feeling in there was lovely. We got a lot of hits in there and we saw a lot of shadows. The interesting thing was we very rarely see shadows. 
We got chaser lights and the K2s went off, but they were off in sequence as if someone was running past us. He said it was a pleasant encounter. He said it was like they were hiding behind doors and stuff like that. You got that childlike playing feeling and it wasn't malicious at all. It was fun. From there, they went off to the nurses' quarters, which the team had been told was quite active. Mr Christopher said, for us, it wasn't that active, but that said, we had bangs in there and we heard this kind of wheezing noise like someone was breathing with a bit of asthma. It was like a whistle. He said there was really loud bang and they thought it was the guy, but they later learned he wasn't even in the building at the time. The couple both said they had isolated drafty areas from consideration, but were still unable to explain the bang. Then we got to the ECT ward and the male mechanical, I think it's manacle area. Oh, like in Maniacs and everything changed. Oh dear. Oh dear. We physically saw cell doors moving. Now it was a windy night, but it was right in the middle of the building when no windows were so and so on. It was a reasonably well-sealed place and we didn't feel any drafts or anything, even when we were standing near the windows. The couple said the movement of the cell doors stood apart from other experiences that night. There were a lot of bangs we heard we could debunk because they were obviously the wind hitting the fly screen or something, but these doors, no way. There were other sounds that were also difficult to debunk. We had furniture moving when there's no bloody furniture in there, said Mr Christopher. You know it, you know the noise wooden furniture makes when it's scraping along the lino. You get that kind of brrr noise. They haven't made it back to Aradale, but they intend to do so at some point, drawn like many others to the mystery and horror of the place. For anyone heading there, do some ghost hunting of their own. And if you want some advice, make yourself, he says, make yourself as vulnerable as you can. No thanks. He said, we'll bugger off out of earshot all from each other and be completely on our own and sit there in the pitch black just to try and lay ourselves bare and paint a paranormal target on our back. They also had a theory as to why people claim to have more encounters at night. He says, one of the reasons that we do that at night is that's where the upper layers of the brain switch off. The lower levels, the cerebrum, that's what they call the reptilian brain kicks in. That's the survival bit. It turns all of your basic senses into overdrive. You hear better, you see better, and you've got more rods and cones in the peripheral vision of your eyeballs. We just think it's much more turned, tuned in to picking up stuff, he said. And as I said to you, paranormal tours run most weekends at Arida. That is just crazy. Why you want to see them there in the dark, I have no idea. But as I said, like most of those old buildings, they're creepy, they're drafty, they're dank, they have a, you know, the smell. And just when you think you know what the history of what went on in there, and you think, oh my goodness, man. And then the hairs on the back of your neck really do stick up. So that's a little bit of uh, the. Uh, Lunatics Asylum, uh, J Ward and of course Aradale at Ararat and if you do have the opportunity to call past Ararat, drop in it's certainly worth doing a tour, very interesting a little bit macabre to see some of the the, um, procedures that poor people went through in the past and I'm happy to say that mental health and the way that we treat people now has certainly moved on but uh, please do go and check out Ararat. It's a great little town uh, about 198 k's west of Melbourne and really, we haven't even really divulged and gone right into Ararat. You can explore the best of the east with Ararat's sweeping landscape, the natural beauty, 
all around. It's right on their doorstep, including the Grampians National Park, the Ararat Hills Regional Park. Um, for those who are fascinated with the dark history, as I said, take a, back, take a step back in time, as we've done with Jay Ward and Aradale. And in food and wine, uh, if that's more your style, then there's certainly no shortage of fine restaurants and award-winning wineries around the area to indulge in. Ararat also has a variety of uh, modern retail shopping and wellness offerings as well. And the accommodation, including motel and camping options, are plenty at Ararat for luxury glamping and modern motels to establish caravan parks in the heart of town to the picturesque Green Hill Lake. And if you prefer sites off the beaten track, the eastern side of the Grampians have plenty to offer, including... Uh, I think it's Pomonal and Lake Bolak, and you can enjoy exploring the nearby rural towns of Wangor, Willira, Streatham and Moyston, the birthplace of Australian rules football too. So with so much to see and do, why not make Ararat your next holiday destination? That's it for this week's edition of the Road Less Travelled Podcast. Thanks so much for your company, and we hope that you've enjoyed a little bit of Ararat. We hope to be going back into that area and talking to you about the Grampians in a future episode. Don't forget, if you want to become involved with the show, drop us an email, fatcat with P-H-A-T-C-A-T, fatcat at iinet.net.au. You can drop me a... Um, in email, as I said, and also SMS on 0427528467. And I look forward to talking to you somewhere on The Road Less Travelled. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This has been The Road Less Travelled, a podcast about travelling and camping on the road. Written and hosted by me, Nikki Shea, produced by Fat Cat Media. If you have enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Even better, please leave a review. Any comments or questions, please email fatcat at iinet.net.au and to be notified on the new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed.